You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. We are back again. It's the Birdie Dads golf podcast. Trevor, Brian, and I, it's almost like, guess who's back? You know, back again. Remember that? Old school. Mm. That's, that's a stretch. <laughs> sing, it, sing it for us, Jared. <laughs> I cannot. I cannot. Oh, man. But this week, we're talking a little less golf, a little bit more about handling adversity. So our theme really comes from some recent events for you know for us, for all of us, really. And how do you handle injuries with your kids? So Trevor, I think you get to start us off with some things, uh, some events. Yeah. So we had uh, last week of school um, this week and uh, on Monday, my daughter was at recess and my 10 year old and she decides she's going to do um, a handstand to a backbend with a twist and all these walkover things that I don't know about in gymnastics. Um, and she lands funny and basically snaps her ankle. Uh, I'm hmm. at work. I get the call from one of the teachers that kind of witnessed it and said she couldn't put any weight on it. And so um, they thought that it was already swelling at that time too. So I have a little bit of a background in orthopedics, so I have enough knowledge to know that if swelling happens that easy, it's usually a break. So um, I had to kind of break from work and go get her. And just the whole time over there, I'm thinking, you know, gosh, like, is she seriously hurt? You know, like most worried first and foremost, Second thing starts rushing through me is like, why is she doing gymnastics? That injury, she knows that's just a that's my high injury, like you know, sport. This and is... I don't want her to mess her golf career up. No, just kidding. But no, <laughs> those thoughts did kind of cross your mind. But it's just it's tough. I mean, you don't know. You've got that twenty minute drive to school where you just have all those things racing through your heads, like what it could be, what this means for her mm-hmm. future, the summer. You know, so you just it's a lot of like thought provoking. Um, I guess minutes so, there. We haven't gone over this. I we Brian and I knew a little bit. I have a lot of questions for you. I, I mean, Brian probably yeah. does too because you got you got the boys. But my first yeah. question, like, yeah, did you talk to your daughter when the school called, or did you just talk just to the teacher? The teacher, I think, had called me on her personal cell phone because I didn't recognize the number at first, so I let it go to voicemail, and then I listened to it, and it was like I could sense some anxiety in her uh, in the voice. Oh. So I didn't get to talk to my daughter. I didn't hear her in the background or anything, but um, yeah, I just talked to the teacher at first. Yeah, so this definitely wasn't something an ice pack could handle. Um, so you're kind of freaking out. Like I know you're like, oh, what is she doing doing gymnastics on the drive? That twenty minute drive, were you concerned for like her? Because because I know like my so my son had you know we get to it a little bit later, but you know he ended up having a fall on a playground and um, uh, getting like chipping his tooth and having like his gums bleed and everything like that. All I could think about was like, holy, like I don't want to see my son hurt. Right. Yeah. Like I just don't want to see that pain. Like that, right. that's just what it was. That, that's where my mind would go. Was that what you were feeling driving into? Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I know my daughter well enough now in 10 years, you know, that I could tell in her, the first time I saw her, like, you know, in her eyes, the look in her eyes, like if it was like a fake thing for attention or it was a real deal. Right. And I right. saw her in like the first second I knew it was a real deal. So, um, mm. you know, it, it's tough. She, of course, to make it all worse, they had a thunderstorm that day and it just absolutely poured down and she couldn't get anywhere. So they got her under a tree you know, with a, like a camping pad and they had her leg up on a bench with an ice pack and she'd been laying there for mm. like 20 or 30 minutes. I felt so bad for her. But, um, 
yeah, I just walked up to her, kind of asked her how she was doing. She was just like hysterical and she's not like that. So I knew that something was wrong. And then I kind of did a little exam on her. And as soon as I pushed on that spot, the growth plate, um, and I could tell it was swollen too, just like the teachers did. I knew it was a, a, a big one. So, um, mm. yeah, I got her into the car and got her over to the uh, clinic where I used to work and got her an x-ray. And sure enough, she had a growth plate break um, through her growth plate. And uh, so, yeah, it's a tough deal. You know, you start, that's like the first week of summer, you know, we're going to be in casts for two months. Uh, it's just a tough yeah. time. No, no, no great time for a break like that, but man, just for a kid, you know, that's 10 years old, just wants to get to the summer. I mean, you remember when you guys were kids, right? That's all yeah, you remember sure. are your summers, right? So she's just, once it kind of set in that she was going to be in a cast for two out of her three months, she's just kind of devastated. Mm. So with that break on the growth plate, what does that mean for a 10 year old? Like what, you know more about the body than I do. What is that? What are the risks there? Yeah. So, um, there five different classifications without getting too in details you know there are certain breaks that causes the growth plates to fuse faster than they want to so other growth growth plates that are unaffected will grow and then those ones that are injured will actually fuse close and not grow so you can have some leg length discrepancies or angulation like deformities from those so that's the biggest thing that you worry about right off um second is if it's tipped too much or angulated too much then you have to think about maybe if it's going to be surgery where they actually put her under and do anesthesia maybe you have to open the skin that sort of thing so those mm -hmm. thoughts were all running through my mind um mm -hmm. and so you know fortunately we got a ct scan and she doesn't need it um it's still a little angulated but the good news is when kids break growth plates uh the younger they are the more chance they have to, to correct that deformity if there is an angulation so if you have a, a kid that's six seven has a little break first of all they're going to heal a lot faster but their chances are that they're going to they're not going to need surgery or pins because they're going to have more time to kind of correct that injury over time hmm. so the cl cl closer you get to uh, skeletal maturity um the heart the, the harder it is to kind of correct those deformities where you need more likely need surgery so my daughter's kind of right in the middle and thankfully there's enough growth still left in her that we didn't have to do any sort of surgery. We just have to put her in a cast. So long, long story to say she's just going to be in a cast and we just got to have her stay off of it for six to eight weeks. Well, yeah. I, I guess that's the best outcome, right? So, I mean, that's, it's yeah. unfortunate, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that growth plate could still close, but most likely not. So we'll see. I mean, so yeah. you guys, cause you guys have done a ton of progress on her golf game. I mean, I know you, it's like, that's not the biggest thing. Although you've done a lot of work. We talked about that. She's been in tournaments. And so now it's the question of like, what does that do? What, what setback, you know, do you see in the junior golf and that rehab? Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, her big thing is drive, chip and putt and the regional qualifiers, the local qualifiers are going on right now all across the country. And ours happens to be in uh, 10 days. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, so She's going to miss that. Um, the golf coach was already like, well, we could just do like one-legged chipping and putting. I mean, that's where all the points are. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, we'll see how she feels. But now there are other qualifiers, but that is her big thing. She was really focusing on, on that. And that's kind of a, once she realized that that wasn't going to happen, at least for now, she was pretty devastated because she's made it on to the regional qualifiers a uh, few years so she 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 knows she can get to the next step she was just mm -hmm. always looking forward to getting onto that third step so that was a big bummer for her yeah i feel like at that 10 years old it's kind of like the growth plate thing you're talking about she's got so much time to recover in her her career and tournaments and 
those kinds of things. So she's got a long term, long road ahead that she could definitely get back on track really quickly, right? Right. Yeah. The 30,000 foot view is that, you know, you want her to have a healthy leg to stand on the rest of her life, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. mess it up in these two to six weeks to really kind of set her back for when she's our age, you know, mm-hmm. she's limping on an ankle. So, yeah. So Treb, I mean, we're talking about physical rehab and things like that. How about the the mental rehab? Like, what are you doing there um, to help her through it? Cause I know that my, my son, we were just walking today out um, around the neighborhood and he had a popsicle that spilled on the ground and he just about freaking lost it. So like <laughs> let alone a broken ankle and not being able to do, you know, some of the stuff, this activities this summer that she wanted to do and looking forward to, how are you going to handle that? Yeah, that's a great question, Brian. And you know, I think the biggest thing I saw today was, um, they had a kind of a fifth grade graduation. She's in fourth grade, but she has some fifth grade friends. So they had it at school today and it was first thing. And, um, I, I she really wanted to do it. So I was like, uh, you know, still swollen, still sore, but we're going to make it. And I got her there and all of her friends just swarmed over to her and just wanted to carry, you know, anything they could to help her. And you should see her like frown go to just a sparkle in her eye. Just the fact that she was around kids her age and she wasn't, you know, at home alone. And she knew that there was some support there other than her parents. That was just huge. And so mm-hmm. I think just getting her those two hours of school before summer, I think changed her whole outlook just for the next two months. Just the fact that she knows that people like she was the talk of the school, you know, and she got to kind of relive that and kind of experience some attention in, in a positive way. I think that was huge for her. So okay. that was a big part of it. Talk about toughness points. She gets a ton of toughness points <laughs> yeah. in street cred there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, showing up, showing back up to school. Yeah. So, I've been on the other side of those calls working in education where you got to call the parents, something like that. Man, those are, those are awful. You know, I just want to say the school probably did everything they could and it's tough to make that call because the pain on your face is probably very evident to the teachers and school administrators as well because you certainly don't want a parent to come down and you knew it was broken. You, you could tell. You knew she was in a lot of pain and it's like, holy, holy cow, man. Yeah. One of the teachers that came to assistance was kind of a family friend. And uh, we know their son is actually in the school, too. And she was very helpful. And the the principal was out there, too. And uh, they kind of debated on whether or not it was a break or a sprain. But, you know, they as soon as I showed up, they were just very quiet. You know, they didn't want to, like, do anything to rock the boat at all. They just wanted to be able Mm -hmm. to help. And they were super supportive. You know, they didn't want to direct me. They wanted me to make the decisions and all that um, and just supported whatever I decided, but, um, yeah, they helped me get her into the car and to take all of her things over to our house later. You, was, you were the good. expert on scene because, uh, believe it or not, <laughs> they're yeah. not medically trained. So <laughs> yeah. you are well, instantly. Yeah. yeah. Well, not, I mean, you know, profession aside, I mean, I think that would happen to any person there. That's a parent. They, they want yes. the parent to kind of know, yes. like take charge. You know, I think you can answer that for me too, Jared. I mean, oh, that's yeah, probably how you're trained, right? Let the, let the parents take the, take the reins. Well, you said it first, too, is that you know your daughter better than anyone at that school. You know everything about your daughter. You know what is significant pain and what's not. Um, If there's any other past injuries, you know, like they wouldn't have that information. You know, maybe it was something that she had done this before and you would know that they wouldn't. So, of course, they're going to default to you. Mm -hmm. And and I know that if you're sitting there and you said, hey, you know what? I'm not equipped for this. Let's let's get it like an ambulance. They would, of course, you know, say, let's do it. Like they right. want you. That's I, I think you're right on. And that's a great job because they are there to support you as the parent. That's like the first and foremost thing. Right. Like, let's assess the scene. Everybody's safe. Everybody's fine. 
Um, and now we just want to make sure that the next steps are all everybody's on board and that they're supporting your decision. Yeah. You know, so, and I felt that for sure from our administrative uh, personnel to the to the teachers that were there helping. Um, it was it was definitely very very supportive. So I'm thankful for that, and I'm glad they just got her out of the rain while it was <laughs> seriously <laughs> raining like an inch a minute. It seemed like at that point. So yeah. I want to talk about what Brian said though, because, okay, so my daughter's young, but she had, I've talked about this before, she had a fall and, mm -hmm. you know, the mental part of that fall still lingers in our house now. Like we cannot get over that scared feeling, the fear of that fall, you know, and she had an injury to her neck where her, her head was tilted for, you know, quite a few weeks. And it's really made us like, we've gone to several doctors, we've been all that stuff. And it's, it's like a, I can only describe it as like a whiplash, right? And it seems to have had lingering lasting effects. And like Brian said, it, the mental effect is huge because she'll say things like, uh, if we have a little bit of a stumble, she'll, you could see it in her eyes, like, I'm still scared of that fall. And we're like, that was uh, like two months ago, you know, that meltdown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's mental for the kids. It's also mental for the parents, especially when you have young kids, you never want to see them in pain. You're trying to, you know, put them in a bubble, but the first one, Jared, like a hundred percent, the second one, totally you a, little bit, can see a little bit more lax because you've been through some stuff. You've had some experience there, but even now I go to the playground and I see my kids climbing a, a rock wall or something like that. Like I'm helicopter dad. I, I don't want them to fall on the ground and hurt themselves. And, you know, I recognize that about myself. Like I'm probably worse than my wife is on the playground <laughs> with that kind of stuff because maybe, I don't know, maybe I have the experience of breaking a bone myself. I know the pain. I don't want my kids to experience that. So yeah, as soon as that first major injury happens where you have to see your kid either bleed or cry in any significant way. Um, you never want it to happen again. So you're always trying to protect your kid. And, and Trevor, like for you, what you went through, you know, mentally with your kid being at school where you weren't even around and you had to kind of hear about this secondhand and wait 20 minutes to get to her and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't know, hopefully it gets easier, but I I'm with you, Jared. It's, it's like, I'm constantly watching my kids and, um, I, I don't know. It's, it, <laughs> No. I, pro I probably should lighten up because I, I just should expect there's going to be some broken bones along the way. No, I'm with you, Brian. I, uh, over my years, I, you know, I played college football. I've, you know, been, I've been pretty loose on kind of rules growing up, but since I had kids, I'm now nicknamed risk averse. So, um, <laughs> I am, I am the helicopter dad squared and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I probably cause I've seen it all especially with gymnastics. I mean, man, those sports, they play through injury and all those things. So if I hear my kids getting hurt in gymnastics, I've talked to them about this, but man, I, I get you, Brian. I, I'm watching them like a hawk. I don't want to deal with it. And mostly it's because partly I'm selfish and I'm lazy because I don't want to have to deal with what I'm dealing with now, carrying my kid upstairs, you know, <laughs> you washing yeah. their butt again. We got out of diapers and I didn't have to do that again. Now I'm going to have to do that because she, she can't like get in and out of a shower, you know? So uh, it's partly because I'm lazy. That's why I'm a helicopter dad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you guys. I used to, I mean, you guys both had kids before I did. So I used to watch you guys and I would be like, man, I, I, you know, I would sometimes wonder where I'd fall. And I'm definitely right there with you. I'm the helicopter dad too. Like, I just don't, I'm the same. I agree with both of you. I don't want to deal with an injury. I don't like seeing it. I don't like dealing with the fallout after. I don't, you know, I, I don't want all that, you know? So I'm right there with you. It's the same same boat and brian said yeah first one definitely bubble wrapped to the max <laughs> yeah. yeah 
I don't know. Second one, we'll see. Maybe a little less. I mean, I look back at how my parents handled my injury. We talk about this a lot. So, Trevor, would your parents have handled your – if you were the broken ankle at school, would they have handled you differently? Uh, so, yeah, I broke my collarbone at school when I was in eighth grade, and I can remember my mom was all over it like, um, God, you know, what? are you okay? You know, just really there. And my dad was like, yeah, well – you know, he'll heal. <laughs> it was like complete polar opposite of how they handled it. So I could, yeah. you know, if I was looking for a little sympathy, I could go to my mom. If I wanted to like feel like I needed to toughen up and be a, uh, an older man, I, I would go to my dad. So, Brian, what about you? How would your parents have handled that? Uh, it's it's interesting. So like, like if they would have seen the in- injury, like if I was playing, you know, baseball and I got hurt or something like that. Um, I think, I think my parents were like Trebs. My mom would have been right there just like making sure that I was okay. I had an ice pack or, you know, do, assessing the situation. Do I need to go to the doctor or not? Like, or is it just something that I can kind of get over and just some sitting down on the, on the bench for a little bit? Um, my dad, I, I don't know. I think he would have just tried to, try to be kind of like, yeah, he's fine. Like he's, he's okay. He'll toughen up. Oh, do I have to take him to the doctor? Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Like, you know, and so, so I, I, I think it's just kind of that that um i don't know maternal instinct it might be might be bigger i don't know but it it was also um you know my mom we've talked about before was uh you know teacher for 40 years so she's seen it all <laughs> true. Yeah, true. and so and yeah. so she was a little desensitized to some of it so but yeah it was i don't know i i feel like i was a pretty tough kid though like i, I don't know if i was necessarily um, complain about a bunch of injuries until I had to go to the doctor where it was like a broken bone or something like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't too traumatic, I guess. I mean, my brother and I both played football. And so I remember like, if your parents came down, it was a no, no to come down to the sideline. Like you, right. you had to be right. seriously yeah. hurt for your parents to come down to the sideline and be like, no, go back up in the stands. And that, that was like the rule. Right. And so yeah. I remember my only significant injury happened in a game. And it, in the end, I, you know, I, I ended up breaking my foot. It was a Jones fracture. And I remember I walked off the field, not, you know, not really knowing. And my parents didn't come down to the sideline. Like no one came down because it was like, no. And then they took me home. They're like, you're fine. And it wasn't until like the next day where it was all swollen, like you talked about, that my mom, as same as you guys said, my mom was like, oh, we got to take you to the doctor. My dad was like, go mm-hmm. for it. Whatever's going to happen. And it <laughs> yeah. ended up being, you know, a broken, broken foot. And, and I'm going to say it still affects my golf game. I'm going to go ahead and just. Oh yeah, I'm left foot or right foot? Yeah, yeah. Left foot or right foot, Jared? Is that is, 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 is that the foot that's in front of the tee box or behind the tee box? Which one? Hey, you know it's funny. They're both I did in golf. front, Brian. You know that. That's oh, hard. Gotcha. You guys need to call me on that because I caught myself doing it again, getting in front of that tee box. I'm just so excited. I just yeah. want that one yard. I did it funny. again. I, yeah, I, closer to the hole. Yeah. I'm gonna need a ruling on that. The golf rules guy is gonna need to come on and give us a ruling on. Do I have to have both feet behind or just the ball? So let me ask you guys this going just one last question from a parent standpoint. Uh, so if you asked your parents or parent now, if after they've observed you with your kids, would they say that you are more of a helicopter parent now than they were when you were a kid? Would you say that? Ooh. Um, I, I'll say this unequivocally. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I grew up. So my mom is no longer around. I can only ask my dad, but like, uh, you know, my mom passed away, you know, two years ago, but I can only ask my dad. And it's funny because I do ask him questions like this sometimes. He doesn't know all the answers. He doesn't really recall everything, but 
I look back at some pictures, I, and I have one picture. This is why I can say unequivocally yes, because there's so many things that my, there's pictures of my brother and I doing that I would never let my kids do, ever. Like we dug a tunnel once in this mound of dirt for no reason than just to dig a tunnel through it. And it went all the way through, like no, no wood supports, nothing like that, like just dug a tunnel through. And I look at that picture and I'm like, that would absolutely <laughs> crush me as a kid. <laughs> like, and who, you know, who took the picture was probably my mom standing there, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I brought, my brother and I are sitting in the mound of dirt, and there's someone took the picture. It wasn't me. So, yeah, yeah. unequivocally, yes. And I'm part more of it too. Yeah, Brian. Same question. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with Jared. Um, you know, the only person I've been able to ask is my dad. So my mom passed away before both my boys were born. And um, so my dad's been the only one to see me. And like I said before, my dad was a little bit more, ah, he's fine. Like, he's okay. Like, not really the helicopter, you know, parent. So, yeah, he, his perspective is absolutely, <laughs> I am way more, more of way a helicopter worse. parent. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But I also remember it being a different time. I don't know. Maybe I'm just skeptical with... Um, you know, the time we're living in and things like that. But, um, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel the same security as I did when I was a kid of like going outside and just, you know, being free. So I don't know. Yeah. It, uh, it's just different. I think there's something to that, Brian. I mean, like, you know, back when we were growing up, you're playing with yard darts, you know, with actual spikes in them. Right. And now <laughs> you're playing with like, Seriously. little like nerf like balls in front of the, the, the wings. So, I mean, there's, there's all of that. So you're kind of conditioned over time to kind of just make it err on the safer side. So I think that's part of why I am, but I'd still say my dad's not around anymore. And if he was here, he would say, I'm, um, a little more helicopter than him, but far less than my mom. So I've, I'm right in the middle. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah. I mean, I know I had my first BB gun not much older than Brian's oldest son, which would be about six or seven. I probably had oh. my first one. You know, oh, yeah. I was, yeah. I was heck, absolutely, you know. Heck, heck no. I'm like, my kids yeah, you're not no having way. a BB gun. Heck no There's way. no yeah. way you'd let them. Yeah. So, I mean, absolutely more so. They'll well, poke an eye out. Yeah, absolutely. Good to shoot your eye out. Uh, let's get into golf. Brian, you have something that I think has improved your putting. So share it with us, please. Your new training tool I want to hear about. Yes. So this has helped my um, my putting stroke, I would say. It doesn't help me on uh, undulating greens, Jared. Undulating. 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 Oh, undulating nice throw greens. there. Nice throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulled that out. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's pretty simple. Like I think anybody can uh, put this together. Um, you know, if they've got a garage set up or if they're you know going to a putting green and they they can just kind of throw it in the bag. But it, it's basically um, a rope tied around um, anything that um, you can stretch uh, and stick into the ground or stand on the ground. Um, you know, a good six to eight feet. Um, and so you just um, set up the line, and and it's a visual cue. Um, for putting. So um, you're lining everything up with this line. Obviously, the string is going to be straight um, on the path um, of, of where you want the putt to go. So um, you line up the ball, you get in your stance, um, you get the vision correct so that you can, um, you know, just tilt your head one way or the other and actually, you know, um, see the line straight. Um, so it's a good kind of check to see um, how you're seeing the line if if you're seeing it more right or more left um, you can kind of adjust from there um, so you just set up the string on the other side of the putt and then um, you can also line the putter uh, in your backswing and through the ball um, on that line so that you can get a square um, club face at impact as well so um, pretty simple Did you, but you buy this online is this where you got this 
so I, what I did buy was, um, putting gates. So put out is a brand that makes some, um, some good solid putting gates. Uh, they're metal They're you know, they're weighted on the bottom. Um, and then I just tied some string, just some twine out uh, of the top of those gates. And, um, you can putt through the gate that way. So you can, um, you know, set up your line, uh, do all your visual checks, everything like that, um, and swing, and then it'll go through the gate and, um, pass the gate to a actual hole. So you can kind of make sure that, um, you're actually, um, striking it true and, and, and it's not, um, you know, your, your club face is not off and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's really helped with, um, uh, with my putting, um, at least the setup and, and making sure everything's good. This sounds like a total DIY setup to me. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I know. I mean, this sounds like it's going to cost me 38 cents to set up. I love it. Yeah. See, Brian, and you, you can do like it. Your... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say just to finish off, like I, I bought the putt out, um, you know, putting gates just because I set up my garage and I couldn't actually stick um, stakes into the cement, but you could go even simpler and just get some um, stakes and tie some string around those stakes, the top of the stakes and do it that way as well. So. Do you, uh, do you feel like you're getting your eyes over your ball? So directly over that line, or are you like, what's your goal with your eye level, um, over that line? Yeah. So it's, um, less about, um, getting my like eye level over the ball and more about, you know, where am I seeing the line and how Mm -hmm. can I set up either it's back or it's, it's forward, it's leaning forward or leaning back in a way to where, I can see the straight line from my ball mm-hmm. to the hole or to my target or wherever I'm trying to put it. I've seen that before. I've seen that on some putting drills where they talk about if you're struggling, you could be your setup is is wrong, right? Like you're not seeing yep. the line. You might be seeing it farther left or farther right. And I think I want to throw that out as like, I'm going to blame that on some. Th- on my <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, so, you, can, you, you can blame whatever you need to do, but after you do this drill, Jared, <laughs> you can't blame it anymore. Can't blame it so, anymore. That's right. I like it. And Trevor, what you're talking about, what I've seen guys do, if you want to know where the ball is, and, and maybe you guys can do this on test on your own, is like to take a, to like set up over the ball with your putter and then take a second ball at your, it sounds weird, but take it to your like left eyeball and drop it straight down. And mm-hmm. then yeah. if it hits the ball where you're set up, then you're directly over your, your left, your dominant left eye most likely is over that ball. I've seen that done to see how you're setting up. Yeah, I've seen it too with a DIY setup of like a like a makeup mirror or like a mirror square that you set down and put like a sharpie mm-hmm. through the middle and put your mm-hmm. ball on that sharpie line and then see like see if your eyes are on a flat surface of course but see you know if your eyes are looking at yourself in the mirror basically is what I've seen. Yeah. Huh. Okay, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. And the other way to do I like this line Brian because I like how you can stretch it out because I know we talked about another way to putt is you can lay a yardstick down like a metal mm-hmm. yardstick or a wood yardstick, excuse me, you lay a wood yardstick down and you putt and you want that ball to travel on the yardstick all the way off the end of it. So you could do it a couple different ways or you can lay it next yeah. to it and kind of use it as a, I've seen guys use it and they'll tape for like distance meters as well. So mm-hmm. you, you tape like, you know, one mark is here's my six foot distance. Here's my eight foot distance. Here's my 10 foot distance. Yeah. And what that helps with too, Jared is taking the putter back 
Mm -hmm. like enough to get the speed to get to a certain distance as well. So the yardstick is a good tool um, for for that as well to get the the, um, pace right. Let's set it all up. You're going to see me out. You know, let's get it all in the green. That's when we're going to play in this tournament coming up. Ryan, your mom's memorial tournament. We're going to set all these contraptions up. We'll get the line. (laughs) We'll get the string out. We'll get the yardstick out. We're going to be putting through gates. The the collapsible stint meter. We're going to be doing it all. Yes, we're going to do it all. Unlicensed uh, PGA professionals. Unlicensed. (laughs) Not insured, not bonded. Yeah, don't don't come away. I'm just just thinking about that scene in Tin Cup where um, Kevin Costner comes out and he's just like, He's got everything on. He's got everything he's got on. Air, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like exactly. the yeah. elbow, it's the thing. He's got the thing on the hat. It's swinging from yeah. his hat like the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. everything. I will say that yardstick that you were talking about, um, Brandon Jarrett, is a great thing. I mean, uh, my juniors, they've used that early on. Their coaches have put that through just to give, give them something as a visual to kind of have their putter go straight back, straight through. Um, so mm-hmm. just to follow along that line, uh, and it's helped them tremendously. One thing I'll say too is maybe a little put, uh, putting tip for dads teaching their juniors is uh, something I've used recently. Um, we're we're training for the drive, chip, and putt. So those are six foot putts, fifteen put one, six foot one, fifteen, and one thirty. Those are different lengths, but they're consistent um, throughout all the qualifiers. And so what I've done is I've grabbed uh, some a nickel, a dime, and a quarter. Because most kids, what they try to do is they try to go back straight as far as they can and then kind of decelerate through the putt. So we'll put like a quarter, or excuse me, for that six-foot putt, put like a nickel down. And it's only like four inches behind the ball, so they know they just have to go to that nickel and then through the ball. So it helps with distance control. And then when you go back to like the 15-footer, you put a dime down maybe only like six inches behind the ball. And then they, and they know they have to go to that and then so on and so forth. So, And then they can move that dime based on their distance when they put that that particular line. So it's, it's pretty helpful to put that, like you said, Brian, they know how far back on the yardstick where well, you can put something that's flat below that putter so they know they can go to that. It helps a little bit, a little pro tip. I like that. I'm going to start doing that. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's real money on the ground. Yeah. Let's right. do that. Right. Yeah. They're Don't looking at that shiny me. thing. Yeah. Don't do it on me. Yeah. 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 So do you think Brian, that's helped your putting drawing that line out? You think you've improved? I've started hitting my line, like, like the line that I want to hit to, I've started hitting that a lot, a lot more. I would say though, I need some help reading the greens a little bit better because I don't think my line's accurate, you know, to begin with, but, um, I'm working on that. So yeah, it it has helped my stroke though. Um, I feel pretty confident that, um, once I pick the line, I'm going to hit it on that line. Hey, little news for you on reading greens. I don't know if you guys read today. Um, but Rory is talking about how he wanted there. There's this big push to ban the the green books. books. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, there's the guys are getting lazy on reading greens and they're trusting the books. Hmm. So mm-hmm. there's this big push, it's, and also the uh, armed lock, the armed forearm lock, the lock, yeah, group. elbow, yeah. elbow, wrist lock, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I read a great thing from Xander Shoffley, who, you know, he was talking about that that arm, forearm, elbow lock. What do you want to call that, right? And he said, "It's your he's boy a Bryson." Top 10. <laughs> yeah. Well, Xander said, you know, he's a top ten putter before using that, and it made him switch. So he's like, "Yeah, there's an advantage. Like if I'm a." Hmm. A premier putter in the game and i switched my grip why would i do that in right so that makes yeah that's well well said what do you think what do you think it does like if i'm thinking about locking it to my arm i'm thinking that it's going to keep what the the club face straight without twisting like your wrists and stuff is is that that what the, the benefit 
Yes. One less pendulum. Exactly. So, yeah. so you got a pendulum as your wrist effectively and also your shoulder. So if you're yeah. locking yeah. one out, then you only have one pendulum to work with rather than two. I think that's right. the point. There you go. Yeah. Jack won 18 majors without locking his wrist. I think you should make everybody else do the same. <laughs> I think you should do it, right? Yeah. So one final update I do have for everybody. Exciting update in our next episode. So what's happened, I've talked to the guys at ShotScope, and they are sending us the V3, which is the ShotScope V3 golf watch. And so I'm, we're going to do an in-depth episode and review on that golf watch. I'm excited to give this a shot. The three of us are playing together here real soon in a tournament. So we're going to give this watch some run and really excited. ShotScope hooked us up with that and cool stuff happening. So just so you know, we're going to give that a run. We're going to get some videos and some in-depth episode on ShotScope's V3. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Very cool. Yep. So we'll give that a run. We're going to come bringing that up. We got some new guests that we're talking to to get on. Uh, Dr. Joe Parent, you know, got got him coming on eventually one of these times. So um, stay tuned. And you know what? It's time for the tournament coming up, Brian. So we'll have some great feedback after that tournament when we all three play together as well. I'm excited. So th- this is not going to be, this is the first time we're not playing against each other. We're playing with each other. So it's going to be a pretty fun you Fun have to round. remind me of that. You got to remind me of that a few times in the round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We're teammates. Okay, sure. We're teammates. Yeah, yeah. We are teammates. Yeah. We are teammates. Yeah. So, no, it'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be good. Cool. So, do we, as, if we're teammates, then do we get to let Jared tee off in front of the tee box? I'm just, you should. You know, you do should. we say anything at that point? I mean, we kind of have to, right? Uh, we just can't take his tee shot. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we got to be honest, Trevor. Come on. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I won't do it. You guys keep me in check. With that, we'll see you guys again next week.